not make today the day you begin to finish strong. Welcome to the Finishing Strong Podcast. Join Pastor Mike Hendon for an insightful discussion on how to begin from wherever you are to the goal of finishing strong in life, in relationships, and in faith. Welcome today to episode number three of the Finishing Strong podcast. I'm Mike Hendon. Thanks for coming along with me today. We have been emphasizing the need to finish. We have lots of help, I think, in the areas of initiating, launching, setting things up, and moving them forward. And yet there's a big gulf fix between launching something and finishing. And my goal is to help you finish. It's become an obsession of mine for seven years. And um, I'll talk a little bit about that today and how that rolled into my life, when it rolled into my life. And it was in a particular period of my life where I was in some pretty deep depression, darkness, discouragement, actually coming off of a ministry failure where I had resigned and I uh, had given up my hopes to uh, to pursue that for any any further. And um, at, in that period of time, uh, some things got shaken off of my life and off of my heart. I read a great quote from Charles Spurgeon this week that uh, he said this. He said, depression comes over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my ministry. The cloud is black before it breaks and overshadows before it yields its deluge of mercy. Isn't that a great word picture? I mean, you see the clouds and the darkness and what's in those clouds is tremendous moisture to water the ground and bring the ground much fruit. And yet while you're in it, it doesn't feel so great. Neither does it look so promising, but it's a necessary part of our process as we have been looking at. Last week, we talked about how to get unstuck and we looked at it from the life of Abraham. Today, we're going to look at another person in the Bible who who went through quite a number of obstacles and discouragement and setbacks on his way to become the greatest kingdom Israel would ever know, the greatest king in the kingdom. And uh, But before we go there, I want to just talk to you a bit about discouragement and identify it. And then as we identify it, we can better deal with it. What is discouragement? Uh, the dictionary definition means to deprive of confidence, hope, or spirit, to dishearten or daunt. Uh, and so when you read the dictionary definition to deprive of confidence, hope, or spirit, you see, um, you see a breakdown there in several levels that I want to I talk about. Some words that go along with this synonyms are the words afflict, beat down, demoralize, depress, dismay, distress, Frighten, intimidate, irk, and trouble are synonyms of the word discourage. Sometimes I think my middle name is irk, and uh, because I seem to find myself when I'm in these times uh, of discouragement where 
everything just irks me and and it's a it's a wake-up sign it's a it's a way to to understand that there's something going on and I need to assess it and and need to be be sure of where I'm at so I make the right decisions because making good decisions is easy in the brightness of the day and the sunshine of the moment, but it's difficult in the darkness. And when the clouds are overshadowing you, those decisions are harder to make, but much more critical. And we'll explain that in a bit too. So I want to give you the three stages of discouragement. Number one is a mild discouragement. And this comes like as a result of just minor setbacks, minor pressures, minor problems. And they affect your emotions for the most part. It's just you get a little down in your emotions. And and um, this level of discouragement is not very deep. And, it, and it, we just ride it out most of the time. And most people don't even recognize it because it's not all that evident. It's just uh, something on the inside of us that's just feeling the pressure and feeling a little bit blue about it. The second level is strong discouragement. And this occurs when we have major problems. The problems become uh, like anac, you know, and stare us down and and defy us. And and the strong discouragement is when pressure becomes really great and, and it begins to press on us on, on every side. It's usually not just one thing. It's a multitude of things. And then this, this strong discouragement begins to affect our spirit. You see, it's one thing to have an emotional uh, bout of discouragement, but if it permeates down into your spirit, then it, it then it begins to affect you in a much more deeper, broader way. And it starts depriving you of hope. And wherever there's hopelessness, there's a prevailing sense of despair. And so strong discouragement begins to take a, a toll on us on several levels. In other words, it, it even affects you physically. Because when you're in strong discouragement, you'll actually it'll actually take physical strength from you and you'll feel weak. You might even, uh, you might even find in your life that it's much easier and you're much more susceptible to sickness, physical sickness in those times and bouts of great discouragement. And so what happens in strong discouragement is it affects you physically. It affects you emotionally and it affects you spiritually and it begins to be visible on you and people will actually notice the signs of discouragement on your life. And then when we get overwhelmed in the middle of those problems and pressures, then our discouragement goes from strong discouragement to disabling discouragement. It actually causes you to lose all strength and all emotional uh, ability to to press on and even want to press on and it drains you of spiritual strength where you just feel like giving up and your your spirit man 
is just so disheartened and and senses such a, a, a disablement that I can't go on. And when this happens, your heart, to use a biblical term, melts in you. And there's just no desire, no energy, no ability to go on. And and I and I think when you get to that level of discouragement, uh, that's a critical point because it's usually then too that decisions start being made. Now think about it. And when you're making decisions based out of your discouragement, how can that be good? You know, how can how can they be wise, solid, sound decisions when you're basing them in and out of a time when you're emotionally, spiritually, and even physically depleted. And yet that's what often happens. And we we make huge decisions like I'm going to quit my job or I'm going to leave this marriage or I'm going to close down my business and I'm going to leave this church or I'm going to I'm going to just run away from home or, you know, it, it, it can lead to a myriad of decisions that are huge and yet they make they make no sense and they they have no real solid foundation under them they're just something we do out of a reaction you know david speaking of david when he was anointed to be king over israel there was a man called saul who was still sitting on the throne and when saul was on the throne developed a strong dislike for david his envy his jealousy his his insecurities uh, all took over his life, and he sought after David. He sought to kill David out of this, out of these fears and insecurities, and out of this brokenness of his life. And Saul was tormented, and and yet he, in his pursuit of David, David gets anointed to be king over Israel. And it's about fourteen years in the process from the time he was anointed, first anointed, until he would actually take the throne. And in the beginning of those days, because David was a man who the Bible says had a heart after God. He always sought the Lord. He put things in front of God. He he made decisions based on waiting upon God, which is a biblical term that that just carries the idea of bringing it to the Lord and, and, and waiting and not making rash decisions, but waiting until you sense a certain direction, a certain leading, a certain will that is coming from the heart of God and then you pursue it. And David lived much of his life that way, just waiting. He learned this, I think, in the in the leading of the sheep and being a shepherd and, and just in the wilderness as he just meditated and sought the Lord in that isolation. And he, he got tuned in and, and got seeking and leaning into the voice and the direction of God. But anyway, as, as the time wore on, these attacks and these battles got more and more intense. And as they got more and more intense, David slowly got more and more wore down. And I don't think he realized it. But this is what happens. The journey gets long. And and in the length of the journey, you get wore down. You know, the scripture talks about in the last days in Daniel, how that the enemy will wear out the saints of God. 
And I think that's a that's a good indication of what goes on in our lives because we we set out to do things to to serve to to accomplish to fulfill our callings and our destinies and our purpose and and it gets to be hard sometimes and in the discouragement that comes often in leadership and in setting out to accomplish and having to face the adversities you get wore down and you get you get little chips taken out of you not one big chip it's just a little chip of you at a time one little piece of you at a time and pretty soon you start you start doing things based again out of reaction and not out of response toward God. It's not out of God's leading. It's out of the reaction to someone else's attempt on your life. It gets to the point where in 1 Samuel 27, David, it says this, and this is kind of stuck in here. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen this or if you've ever heard of this, but it's something that you should, you should pay attention to. It says, but David thought to himself, Saul will catch me some day. And the best thing I can do is to escape to the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will give up looking for me in Israel. That way I will escape from Saul. You see, he's devising an escape plan, but nowhere in this was he seeking the Lord's direction or the Lord's help in any of this. He just came up with a plan. And in his plan, he decided to go to the land of the Philistines, which seemed to be a, a, a logical, perhaps even in the moment, a reasonable thing because Saul wouldn't be able to find him there. But notice what set up this decision was a very negative, toxic thought that someday Saul's going to catch me. Now, he'd been successful for years in escaping Saul's pursuits and Saul's plans and Saul's purpose to destroy destroy him. But he, his thinking began to get negative and thinking, I can't keep escaping. I'm One of these days, Saul's going to get me. And then you see, based on that line of thinking, he comes up with a plan to leave his home area and to go into the land of the Philistines. And there he could actually mix in and find some protection and help and covering and try to survive and live out and outlive, let's say, Saul's pursuit. And it sounded like a good plan. And that's what he did. And they ended up at setting up camp in a place called Ziklag. And David and his mighty men and all their wives and their children and all that they had, they went and they settled in this land. And it provided for them. It was a place, a base from which they could operate from. Well, then all of a sudden in 1 Samuel 30, what we find is the time where that as soon as David and his men arrived in Ziklag, they saw the Amalekites had attacked Ziklag. So he was off with his men on an exploit. And then the Amalekites came and they attacked the town where all their wives and children and everything they owned 
that were. And when they invaded the town, they took all of the wives and the children captive and took all of their possessions. It says in verse two, they didn't kill anyone. They only took them as prisoners. That's an interesting insight too, because this is some, this is what happens when you start making really bad decisions. It may not be fatal. You know, I hear people say, well, it wasn't fatal. Yeah, but it leads to a lot of captivity. It takes you away from the freedom of, of wide open living and wide open experience to a place of captivity. And so when David and his men came back to Ziklag, they found the city on, on fire. Can you imagine as they approached their hometown in the distance, they were, were arriving and they saw the smoke arising and their step picked up and their hearts beat faster because they know that's not a good sign as they approached their city. And when they got to the city, it says their wives, their sons and daughters were all gone. The Amalekites had taken them. And David and the other men in his army cried loudly until they were too weak to cry anymore. This is one of those setbacks that we talked about in episode two. This is the kind of setback that can completely demoralize. It can completely stop you in your journey and in your track to fulfill your purpose and your calling. And they and they cried and they they wailed and they they mourned until they had no more strength in them. It says as a result of this, it says in verse six that all the men in the army were sad and angry because their sons and daughters were taken. Well, you know, I think we can all identify. We would be sad too. We would all be very uh, troubled. We'd be angry. We'd be depressed. We would be. We would have a whole gamut of emotions. But here's what happens again too. This is the man that they that they had followed David loyally, faithfully, risked their lives for him, fought for him. Now it says they the men were talking about killing David with stones. So if you can imagine, David is in this position and they're plotting his death. And not only has he lost his wives, his children, and his possessions, now he's lost the confidence and the loyalty of all of his men. And so the cost just keeps getting bigger and greater and his despair keeps getting deeper and darker. And if you think about that, you think this is a man who's in crisis and they're commiserating, the men are commiserating among themselves and David has no one because everyone is mad at David. David has no one to confide in, no one to get confidence from because everyone is blaming David. And this again is the cost of leadership. Leadership sometimes puts you in a position where, yeah, there's that time where you get all the glory, but I also can assure you that if you take the glory, you will have to take the blame as well. And if you if you put yourself in that position, ultimately everything will come back to you. And, and, and one of the prices of leadership is the buck stops here. And so ultimately you will have to take responsibility when everyone is, is feeling that they've lost something, you will, you will be very lonely. And so this is David. And I love, I love what David does here because this is where I want to get you to today. 
mind. What When you get in these dark places, when you get in these dark moments, these dark hours, when the clouds roll in and when everything in your life seems bleak and without hope, what happens then is you have no one to go to but you and God. And here's what it says in, in 1 Samuel 30. Uh, all the men in the army were sad and angry and they were talking about killing David with stones. This upset David very much, but he found strength in the Lord, his God. One, one translation says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. You see, there's going to come a time where you, you're not going to get encouragement from any outside sources. And, and that's, I'm not, I'm not trying to create a lone wolf mentality. Neither am I trying to tell you, you don't need people. We always will need each other. No one succeeds in life without help. No one can do this alone, but there do come moments where people can't help you and there's no one there to encourage you. And you will have to find something deep down on the inside of you to encourage yourself. You will have to go to the Lord and you will have to take in just between you and him, the ability to strengthen yourself, to recall and to remember what the Lord has brought you from, and then to refresh in your heart how that God has not lied to you. God has not brought you this far to leave you. He has not set you up for failure. Yes, this is a setback. Yes, this is a, 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 a thing that we're going to have to deal with. And uh, this is what's interesting is while David had drifted away from seeking the Lord uh, and which helped help set this whole situation up in the first place. Now this brings David completely back to his beginnings and, it, and he seeks the Lord and he has the priest bring him the ephod. And when he brings him the ephod, David uses that as a point of contact and he puts puts it on and he says, Lord, shall I go after them? Should What should I do here? I know the initial response would have been without thought. Let's just go. Let's mount up. Let's go after our enemy. But David stopped and said, Lord, what should we do? And when he had heard from God and God said, yes, go after him. And here's what the Lord spoke to him. He said, you're going to recover all, A-L-L, all. And that word was so refreshing and so encouraging and so life-giving to David. It gave him the ability to gather the men together and said, I've heard from the Lord. And the Lord said, go after them and we will recover and we will recover all, A-L-L. And the men rallied around David's uh, words and his inspiration and his revelation. And they went after their enemy and they found them. And when they found them, they routed them and they brought back every one of them and brought back every possession everything they brought all back and it recovered all and I want to encourage you today that in your journey that God's promise is that you will not faint you will not fail you will not come short that he has set you up to finish your race 
run the race to finish. And what you have to do sometimes is, yes, you have to get alone. You have to get away from the crowd. You have to get away from your naysayers and the and the and those who are criticizing and those who are speaking against you. And you have to just encourage your heart in the Lord, hear from God, and then stand up and go back after what you know God has ordained for you in your life. That way you will finish strong. And so if you're discouraged today, I want to encourage you to hear God and hear what he's saying to you today, that you will recover all. You will go on. You, If you've been knocked down, if you've been disabled, if you feel like I have no strength left within me, then take your weakness to the Lord and watch the Lord in your weakness become strong. If you feel like I have no confidence, I have no ability to do this, that's a good place to be because now you can take his confidence, his hope, his strength for yourself. And as you seek him, I guarantee you, he will direct your steps. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and puts his hope in him. And in that you will recover, you will bounce back, you will come back, and you will finish, and you will finish strong. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for tuning in with me. God bless you. And please share, please help me get the word out. My only goal, my only thing I have for you is the encouragement to start to finish and finish to win. This is Mike Hendon and Finishing Strong. Thank you for listening today to Finishing Strong. Please help us by sharing with your friends. Until next time, remember, it's not how you started that matters. It's how you finish. Finish Strong. today to Finishing Strong. Please help us by sharing with your friends. Until next time, remember, it's not how you started that matters, it's how you finish. Finish Strong.